Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. And now, this is the moment you've all been waiting for. We are live on the Charity Stripe Podcast with your hosts, Alex, Josh, and Nick. We're back, babies. The Charity Stripe, pitch your free throws because they are free. Joshua Fisher, Alexander Tossman, Rakasopoulos. It's a little three on two. It's the first time we've got five guys. Five on the mic. Five wow. on the mic. Scotty Felix, Spencer Paysinger, Dane Mork joining us today. Scotty, I think this might be a tie for guesting. With three. three with now? two. With Oh, you're a vet. He's a vet. It's been a while. It's, it's been yeah. a while. It's been, been a too while. long. It's been too long. I'm trying been... to think. I know somebody else has three. I'll, I'll, it'll come to me by the time we're done. Uh, well, you've been on to talk about you. Now you've been you were on to talk about your first poetry book. And now we have the three of you guys on to talk about the short film that you are venturing off in together, Leaves of Glass. I actually, when I looked it up, I saw Leaves of Grass, and which is a Walt Whitman poem. I'm like, oh, this really fits Scotty's <laughs> yeah, exactly. it's yeah. like, But then I, like, I correct myself. I'm like, okay, it's not that. It's Leaves of Glass. It's an intentional play on that. It yes? Is. Okay. Yeah. okay. I, I think. Right, yeah, 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 yeah. getting, you're getting all the layers right away, man. Yeah. I mean, the, the oh. first time you sent it over, I was like, is, is it glass or is it grass? <laughs> like the, first, the first week, I was like, I kept messing it up. And I'm like, I have to know when I'm talking to him, that this is glass. Yeah. Mm, you yeah. said grass like the first five times we yeah. talked about it. Well, it I'm, like, yeah. I'm, in, I'm in on the glass. Is, uh, that, is that Road Less Traveled? Is that one in Leaves of Grass? No. I'm quizzing you on your... Song, a song of myself. Okay. A little bit. Sorry, right. I was, like, yeah. That's like your base like, level yeah. knowledge yeah. of poetry. Yeah. 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 I'm actually more impressed with you because I know you're a poet. Yeah. That was pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, I've just, <laughs> I've just seen Dead Poet Society a lot. That's basically ah, it. Yeah. The truth comes out. Really crazy. I mean, you know, Scott, we spoke uh, with you initially. You were breaking into entertainment uh, after being a football player. Spencer, All-American, is loosely based on you, and you're an executive producer over there. And, Dane, you've directed some episodes, and you're working with or work with, with uh, Spencer, correct? I'm trying to connect the dots for our audience. You guys have a production company, and Dane played at Washington State. So we have three former athletes now jump, have jumped fully and immersed themselves into the enter- entertainment space. Scott, we got this from you initially, but I want to talk to you guys uh, Dan and Spencer, how did you guys kind of transition? Was it always in you from playing sports, playing football uh, into the entertainment space? And do you find, because uh, I know we've spoken about this, mm-hmm. like your work as a football player, the kind of work ethic, I guess, that you've built helped make that transition transition smoother? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, I can kind of segue into how we basically started this thing. But yeah, I, yeah, I think, you know, I... I played just a couple of years in college and um you know sports sports are kind of hard to really relate to entertainment in a lot of ways or so I thought at that time and um I was taking theater classes and doing a you know a lot of things like that and as soon as I stopped playing ball I wrote a play and saw people react and it kind of just changed my mindset a little bit into just how you can reach people and yeah I always watched movies was always into art was always into those types of things so believe it or not when I got into the entertainment industry it 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 felt a little different. It felt kind of new, but it felt, you know, more singular. I didn't have a team really to work around. And that took some time to kind of find. And I went through companies and kind of developed just producing and learned more about producing and content and how I wanted to kind of enter that space and realizing there weren't a lot of athletes. And, you know, it, it's, 
it's funny because a lot of people in sports who come into this space, you know, you want to understand why. Do they want to do the work? Or do they want to put their name on something? Like, what is it that, you know, you want to do after the game or, you know, just transitioning from it? And that took some time to find that group of people. Um, and that actually led me to Spencer. Yeah. And, you know, he can tell you more about that, kind of how we formed Moore Street. But once he and I kind of clicked, we found out we played in the same football league, the Bay League in, you know, Southern California. Oh, nice. Um, you know, new famous games between Peninsula and Beverly Hills and ran in the same circles, but also just talk about the same movies and just cared about the same things. And yeah. I think that's just developed into a really obviously fruitful relationship. Yeah. So, and I, I mean, I played in the NFL for seven years, uh, but during that time, every off day I was seeing a new movie because for me, that was something that like literally helped my own mental health and just recovery from running into 300 pound players every, every week. So <laughs> after like two or three years of doing that, I was like, oh, I think I could write some of the stuff that I'm seeing. I'm, I'm, I'm noticing the structure of film whether I knew it or not. So I was doing that for a couple of years, like teaching myself how to screenwrite. Uh, our mutual friend read some of my stuff. And the first night on my year six uh, bye week, I came over to their apartment and we were just chopping it up. It was that whole conversation of like, oh, like we played in the same league. There's some games we might have like crossed paths on. Mm -hmm. And we were just talking about how it's crazy how you could be from Los Angeles, him from Palos Verdes, me from South Central and have two completely different views of what Los Angeles is. Mm. But still, when you're out in the world, you're repping LA to the fullest. So we kind of <laughs> took that, that, that kernel, and, and a few weeks later, he hit me. I was in, still in the middle of the season, and was like, yo, but a project I'm working on is dead, but I was able to kind of soft pitch this NFL player that's won a Super Bowl, that's writing, that's like trying to do stuff off the field, and that was enough to get a conversation with uh, Greg Lelanti and Warner Brothers. So towards the end of the season, I set that meeting with them, First week back after uh, after the season, met with Greg Valenti's team, and two weeks after that, we went to contract negotiations for what would be All-American. So my last technically year and a half playing in the league, I was developing All-American as well. Wow. So cool. Yeah. yeah. When you were going and watching a film on your off day, were you talking to anyone about what you watched and what you were experiencing? Or were you writing? Like, no, were you collaborative was, in any sense during that process, or was it more just like this is a release for me and this is this is what I love watching? I mean, as as athletes, you guys know those off days when like athletes always want to hang out to, together, yeah. like, off the field and stuff. In the NFL, it's a business, it's a job, it's a career. These guys have families, like they're talking four hundred one ks and picking up their kids from school and all that stuff. I was like twenty one, twenty two, like okay, I'm not doing any of that. I'm just yeah. watching the movies, but. On the other side of it, I just didn't want to see any of my teammates on my off day. I'm like, I'm with you guys from like 7 a.m. to 8 p.m. at night. Like, stay away from me on my off day. So I kind of kept it on hush. Uh, a couple guys would come uh, hang out and watch films and stuff. But for the most part, it was just something that was mine, that I had my popcorn, my, my water, my raisinets. And I was, was that the go-to every single time? That and watermelon slices. So oh. Raisin you had to like slip, you had to like slip that in? Yeah. I mean, the 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 pairing of of watermelon slices and raisinets, the was it salty and sweet. I think raisinets are nuts. Milky and sweet, milky and sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I'm I'm team crunch bunch. Dude, crunch bunch are crunch great. Bunch, crunch you, bunch and yeah, yeah, crunch bunch. You eat half the popcorn, mix the crunch bunch in. Just you, <laughs> I'll try your thing next time I go to the movies. You just try mine. Gotcha. I think it's I gotcha. think it's a very fair swing. So you guys start more street together, right? And then you three y'all are now pairing for the aforementioned uh, leaves of glass, yeah. not grass. Yeah. Uh, how did you all get connected? So we met. We met Scotty. He was an extra on All American the first season. 
fighting, so, fighting the good fight through game changing films. Yeah. Shout yeah. out, shout out, game changing films. No, he yeah. because Alex is you've he, you've had really you've had real success. That movie that just came out this past weekend, Sweetwater, that's about Nat Sweetwater Clifton. Yeah, is the first African American basketball player to play in the NBA to get an NBA contract with the Knicks. I was I worked on for a week. I may or may not have gotten these shoes from that That's set. Right. Don't yeah. tell anyone. No. Actually, like actually, don't. You tell wear me. those a lot. Yeah, I love, I love these kicks. Yeah. That's, That's very balls of you. Yeah. yeah. So we were. I mean, we were obviously just on set doing the daily grind of it. You know, he's in pads for like ten hours a day at times. But brutal. He was Used always somebody. Though. You know, when when the extras get together and a lot of these guys play D one. Like, there's a couple that even play professionally. They get together and like that energy is still in them. So they're competing. They're actually hitting like. Those first couple of seasons was really fun seeing these players all come together. And Scott was always that guy that you just noticed off to the side, like on his phone, sitting on a pad or, or whatever. And then he was only there for the first season, I believe, right? Yeah, they didn't want me to come yeah. back. <laughs> <laughs> but, and I, f I forget how I came across his, his IG page, but I just noticed that he was doing cool things um, just in, in TV and film. Like his eye was getting sharper, the colors he was using, the stories he was telling. I was like, oh, this is worth a follow. Like, I'm, I'm very strict with who I follow on Instagram. But just in general, I was just seeing his, his eye develop and, and his craft develop to the point where, like, two years later, he hit me up about Panorama, a film that we EP'd and he wrote and directed. Um, and it was just that, you know, hey, man, you may remember me, but I have this idea. I want to see if you want to be a producer on it. Um, and... Once he told me that, I was like, I'm, I'm probably already in, but let's set a meeting just in case because I already knew that he was already doing the work to be mm. a good writer-director, not just somebody like, yo, I'm just trying to get active, I'm trying to work or whatnot. He was, he was daily committing to the craft of doing it. So I always get behind somebody like that. And I, I hate saying that. You don't see that a lot. Yeah. Like you don't, you know, it's easy to kind of talk about what you want in this business, but you really can take steps to go do that. And I think... You know, Scott was always doing that. I didn't know Scott, and then when, when Spencer approached me about the film and I got to know him, he approached every single step of it the right way. You know, just like, even just an introduction, something yeah. proper, just being like, hey, this is who I am, this is my vision, this is what I wanna do, and this is how, this is why and how I need you. And um, Scott's always been like that, and that's something that all through Panorama, it was just such a smooth process, and obviously the, the film was dope, so like, you know, we're happy with that. It's pretty dope. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it's just something like, you notice that off the bat, you can, I, you know, you can kind of tell, Spencer and I always say within the first like five minutes getting to know somebody in this business, you can tell, you know, if they're just full of shit or not, you know? Mm. And I think Scott was just so pure with what he wanted, and that's always been the case, and that's obviously why we're all working together. Yeah. That's very nice. <laughs> All right, lead extra. What's up here? What's whoa, whoa, whoa. your ba background <laughs> player? Background player. Background okay. yeah. What's you know when we first saw you direct something, Scotty? It was we were at your poetry reading, and there was visuals of the different poems. Oh, that oh, was like our yeah, first. Dude, that actually was happening. Holy that, yeah. like little vignettes yeah, for each poem that, that was. I did not. Haven't been those. released either. We like we haven't put those online. Well, like, you'll, I, I think yeah. now you you'll find the right time. Yeah, you, you're very you good at to. marinating. Eventually, um, yeah, that was like that was actually the first time I ever like directed anything on film. Um, like I think like four or five buddies of mine like hightailed out to the Salton Sea yeah. and just like had a couple vignettes of what we wanted to film and was very gritty and uh, Cyrus is actually a part of that. Mm -hmm. Cyrus was like the first thing I ever shot on film and it was a long Seems one fitting. take. <laughs> he was literally in his underwear, like in the uh, the Salton Sea with like 
fish bones and just <laughs> dirt everywhere. It was disgusting. But like, I was like, there's no other way. I'd like, no other way I'd want to do this, you know? So yeah. Two that's bros crazy. getting in their underwear, yeah, just making them yeah. like, it's yeah. so like, they, I think the culmination, but it's great. Yeah, so what are you, from going to that to panorama, now taking it all to leaves of uh, glass, what are things like you're looking to work on and get better and grow with, like as a director and a writer? Um, that's a good question. Damn. Um, well, I think being able to like have the vision from the jump is very important. But then when you have that like rough sketch per se, of like what the script is being able to go in and thread the micro moments to where you're like crafting almost like a piece of music per se, like not to sound pretentious, but something like a, like Beethoven or something like that. There's so many intricate moments of like, this is going up here and this is going down here. And I'm not very familiar with that type of music, but like crafting that type of, narrative whether it's like through visuals or through the music and even with the acting obviously there that's like the challenge i think in film is that you're literally dealing with every single element of art to a certain degree and you're fusing all those together for like a certain runtime of that film so you're making sure that like the music is on point hitting at this certain beat and it's very like very much so the small things i would say that's like usually what i'm most impressed in, impressed with in films that i watch in the movie theater is just like the tiny details that like not many people will notice but you're like that goes a very long way so th that's Absolutely. i'm very much so like interested in that type of stuff and like taking that next step as a filmmaker and storyteller and being able to have one scene on the page on the page for like what we're shooting that day and knowing that in that scene we're telling like our own little micro story um in on that day mm -hmm. you know so yeah yeah in in the way that y'all all collaborate together is it because the the producer director relationship can work in a myriad of different ways, yeah. right? Yeah. Some people are you're our guy and we're gonna let you do your thing, and other people are no, we want to all collaborate together. That's coming from the director side and from the producer side. Mm -hmm. So how did the three of y'all work together, and how are you going to work together on this project, I mean, just from a collaboration standpoint? Yeah, I think it's sort of handling the knowing who can handle the macro and micro. So for us. You know, a lot of the heavy lifting was bringing energy into the project, whether that's money, whether that's, you know, actors, attention, yeah. that whole thing. So we're looking at the project as how can we make this entire project as best as it can be to the world, whereas he's looking at literally by line, how, to, how is this line going to show up on screen? So I, I would hope our relationship is much like that, where he doesn't have to worry about so much of the, now you talk to this actor, I need to... I need to pitch it to this team. We need yeah. to go out and raise this money. Uh, and we've, we've done a little bit of both. We've, we've dove into both uh, sides of it, but I come at it as him as a creator, as a writer, director, how can I empower him to not have to think about all the other production stuff? Yep. Yeah. So if that is access to writers, I mean, uh, to actors or, or financing or just having those conversations, I'm down to be on those calls so it can free him up to just dive into making what's going to be on screen as best as it can. Going back to like what sports talk to, taught y'all in this field. Yes. Do you think, you know, playing at the high clip y'all did and working as teammates at the highest clip that y'all worked at, do you think that kind of helps with what you're saying of being like, okay, I could trust Scotty to do yeah, understanding job. like roles within yeah, the, the like, okay, bigger I, I context know, of Every the team guy too. knows like not yeah. only that he has to be like how respond, having the respect of like knowing all these guys know how responsible they have to be for their job. This, this sounds this sounds silly, but it's really just communication. Yeah. It's like it's 
and I think that's a majority for most businesses for whatever it yeah. may be. People don't communicate like the level that they should. And I think as athletes, look, like, you know, I was a, you know, when you're playing, you know, if you go left, you need to go right. Like everyone's fucked, you know? So like at the same time, we always want to be kind of ahead of it. And we always communicate. I mean, Scott and I and Spencer talk daily and just make sure, you know, not if we don't have to, but just to make sure that we're all moving in the same direction and we're speaking to the same um, thing. And, and, you know, every step of it, even your general outreach when you're going out to producers or people who you know are interested in the business but wasn't really sure how to come in or what project to jump on, it all is very, um, you know, specific. And so we communicate on every level of that. And so far it's worked great, you know, but I think, you know, like I said earlier, I had trouble finding someone like Spencer in this business until I did. And now I feel like, you know, we've found Scott and we found like a bigger team and a bigger family of these people. And we all kind of move in the same way. Yeah. And that's I mean, helpful. It's hard to find. I, I, he played offense. I played defense. So on defense, a, a, a common idea is one eleven. So if like, if you're doing your job, you can trust the person next to you to do their job because as a linebacker, if you're not gap integrity, they're getting paid on the other side of the ball. They will find the gap that you're not filling. So mm -hmm. for us, I don't have to worry about if our DP shout out to Corey it's going to get the shot. About to give him the shot. So yeah, like because like that's just not in my world to think Corey's not going to get the most perfect shot every single time because that's his job to get it and he does it at a high clip. Yeah. So when it comes to like finding like-minded people that were athletes in this industry, it is rare. But I think more and more athletes are understanding that they they can get into this world. It's just they have to learn the language of this industry. It's mm -hmm. not so much. We get approached by a lot of ex, a lot of athletes that are. You know, I want to do this. I have this idea. I want to get this, but like, call me when the lights turn on. Call me when the red carpet rolls out. I'm like, no, you gotta, you gotta be on set with us. Right. You gotta pick up things. You gotta like pick up trash if need be, move boxes and whatnot. Like, we're not interested in working with the athletes that, you know, just want to be there when the lights turn on. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, I think there's like the comparison of think about how much time that you as an athlete put into getting to where you got, right? Absolutely. And yeah. being able to play at that level of efficiency and excellency took time. It took effort it took energy Absolutely. and like that has to be you can attest to it yeah you've grinded and you saw him like grinding and putting that work in i think you do an incredible job of showing people mm -hmm. that you do that work which is a really fearless thing to do mm -hmm. that a lot of other content creators i always know what you're working on. have that anxiety of <laughs> i'm working on stuff i'm i'm cultivating this creativity <laughs> yeah, but i'm afraid to to put it out to the world because it's yeah it's it's tough to do but so yeah. i just want to like, i mean to credit. try to interject, I feel like he's not so hung up on like, is it perfect? Right. He's understanding like, well, people understand what I'm trying to say here, mm -hmm. and even if they don't, what's their interpretation of it? That's mm -hmm. always really cool. That when he when he writes something new and sends it over, like he's so interested in like, what was your takeaway from it? Mm -hmm. I can talk all day about what I wrote, how I wrote it, whatnot, but like, how do you understand it? So that's a to me, that's one of the biggest things of why he will be successful is because he's not hung up on. I need people to understand what I'm saying. Yeah. It's, this is out in the world. Let's aggregate the different perspectives on it and see what the conversation is. Coachability a little, yeah. right? Like yeah. let's keep bringing it back to yeah. athletics and, it's but it's a it, connector. Honestly. Yeah. What, what are each of you trying to accomplish with this project? What's like the real, maybe like a, you know, personal goal, like an artist goal, but also like a goal of like your job, like, you yeah. know, mm -hmm. an advancement. Um, I mean, there's a lot of things I would say. There's definitely like a probably a whole laundry list of them for each of us individually and collectively even. But um, I think 
one of the first things aside from like the artist perspective on it, I would say like as a team, you know, like our first short film that we did together went pretty far with, you know, uh, in the short film world, yeah. with like yeah, going yeah. to really cool festivals. And, you know, we even like got um, on the long list for like Oscar nominations mm -hmm. uh, last year. And we were like in the top 200 for the shorts, like in the world. And we, we did like this whole like thing where we were, like a PR campaign and went and did like screenings for it at like, you know, USC and like other theaters in LA. And like, we're really promoting this thing. Cause we were like, got an email from the Academy saying like, Hey, you're in the top 200 in right. consideration for right. to get an Oscar nomination. And I was just like, called these guys. I was like, what the hell is guys? Like, is that a spam email? Like, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, do, you know, do I have to give them my social security <laughs> and my credit card? Like, like they keep what? asking for my, was, my routing number. Yeah, yeah. It was so bizarre. And just like seeing that was very cool. But at the same time, like, before they announced like the top 10 which were the the short list they say before you get a nomination we didn't make that but i like talked to them i talked to like Corey and cyrus and i was just like i was like regardless of what happens i feel like we won already because like we weren't supposed to be here in the first place technically well the broader context of that for people that don't know the industry as well as that there is so much more promotion that goes so into much. it yeah. to get to that that list of 10 yeah. right yeah. yeah yeah we we were learning that as the days went on. So as soon as we got that email, it was like, well, what do we do now? Yeah. And we shot to a handful of people and they're like, yo, if you really want to like, there's a, there's a militaristic way that you can go about doing this and yeah. that's spending money. Yeah. Money we did not have. Yeah. yeah. So it was trying to figure out how we can just make things cook in our own networks and get energy around it. But when you realize like a lot of the idea of a short film, the idea of it is, you know, this is like a passion project. This is upcoming directors. This is upcoming writers. When really, like, there are Fortune 500 companies behind these short films that are that are positioning themselves to win Oscars. So, once we realized that down the road, we just thought, okay, Panorama did its thing. It went as far as it can go, in our opinion. What's our next thing? Yeah. And that's when he came to us with a uh, couple different concepts. But the Leaves of Glass is absolutely that to to the point where. And I can say it out loud, like our goal is to turn this into a feature film. Mm -hmm. This is our proof of concept to then go out and potentially raise or get backing by a studio to make this a feature film. Yeah. yeah. And is that something that y'all have done as a production company at this point where you've taken a short as a proof of concept and then adapted it into a feature? No, no actually, it's the first time. Yeah. yeah. It's the first time we've done it. I mean, we've done a couple shorts and, you know, obviously from the producing side, but this is more so kind of with an end goal yeah. mm -hmm. to kind of get to that point. But I also feel like we weren't ready. You know, like I think even ourselves, like that was one thing Spencer and I, especially when we had All American, you know, we sold a scripted show, but we looked at that as like, okay, now we have like a season of television to learn. Let's go take things away. Yeah. Like, and maybe that's an athlete thing. I don't know. But like, it was something, it was, it was a privilege. And I think, you know, we've tried to take as much as we can from that, you know, onto these sets and whatever we're doing with Scott. But it's, to be honest, it's getting really hard for independent artists in the space too, just to be able to make their films and kind of maintain their vision and, you know, I told Spencer one of the first times when we started working together that I worked so hard to just get creative freedom. And I think for any of us, you know, that entails a lot more. It is spending a lot of money. It is making a lot of passion projects. And it's getting these big companies and these studios to go, oh, these are like good filmmakers. They know what they're doing. They're sound. And oh, shit, they're doing it on their own. Because the majority of the time, that's what you have to do. Yeah. And we feel like we've found that team that is just, is just good you know, and it's like doing things at a high level and we get along. So I think we feel now is the appropriate time with Leaves, with Scott's vision, 
with what Spencer and I have taken away, you know, Corey, Cy, and Leonard, everybody, I think yeah. we feel this is the one that could go to that level with everything we've learned so far. Yeah. Are, are, are you keeping the pressure in or out of it? Mm-hmm. I, think I think there's always an element of pressure. Just yeah, there, there there is. There's I mean, a lot of I'm saying. There's definitely an element. Yeah. So like, how how are y'all? Because now there is the pressure of like Panorama. You're like, all right, that went as far as you can go. Like that that served its purpose. But you guys, it was didn't have a finite end like this does. Like, right. This is like, hey, like and like you're saying it out loud. Like this is our proof of concept. So to get to that. So are you allowing to like work off that pressure or like acknowledging it or just like it is what it is at that point? I mean, definitely acknowledge it. Uh, we don't let it crush you because I don't think it can crush you. Okay. Uh, in our opinion, the way the way that we work, specifically even Scott's approach to storytelling, you can't look at him and go, you're not ready or there's a frame missing or you just didn't get the best shot or these words are messed. Like anything he's put out there is peak in my opinion. So it's just getting us to a point where we understand the pressure there. We understand that when it comes to talking to these big producers or these big studios that could potentially back it, we're coming in knowing exactly who we are, but knowing that there's still room to grow. So like, that's one of the first things I told him in, in our relationship was like the common misconception that, from from us, it's like, oh, you got a show in the air. That means you know everything about this industry. That means you know mandates. That means you know budgets and all this stuff. I'm like, yo, I'm still learning all the different sectors that make this industry go. So I'm going to tell you when I don't know something. But that doesn't mean I don't deserve to be in the room. Yeah. So it's yeah. it's acknowledging it, but but knowing that there's still room to, room to work. And, and yeah. not even just a show on the air, but a show that went for five seasons, too, which most people would look at and be like, Everyone would look at me like that's incredibly successful that you were able to go even past you one that season. Five you know? mark, like yeah. that's pretty remarkable. And it's because it, I was like reading up on like y'all's like in you know like involvement. It's so it's very like it's very singular. You know what I'm saying? Because again, like you guys came together, you put this together, and like it's kind of loosely based off you. And mm-hmm. like you know, you're working away. You were in the show too. Which yeah, was we're great. both we're both, both in the show. We're both, yeah. 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 yeah, do you guys watch it? Have you seen the show? I've seen. Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah. You said no, it'd be cool, but like, no, I like, I, 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 there was a running joke when we were going in because like, you know, it was like Spencer is Spencer. Lead character's name is Spencer, so I'd, we would always be there together, and we were just kind of learning this. Which it was great to have a friend to learn this area of the business together, which is yeah. quite interesting. You know, you sell a concept to a studio, and that's a whole other novel. But um, it was it was always really funny because I, I just would say like, yeah, dude, I was the inspiration for Asher, which is really crazy. <laughs> oh, that makes that makes total sense. You're like a little white dude. That makes sense. <laughs> and I'd be like, yeah. And then down the road, I'd be like, no, that was a fucking, that was a joke. Like, That's not, you know. And they were like, oh, oh okay. But uh, we laugh all the time. And you know, our production company called Moore Street because we came up with All American at Moore Street. That was where my apartment was in Mar Vista. Uh, and um, yeah. you know, cool. I think like we said, you know, we we went into it. And it's it's gone. It's a, it's its own machine now. But everything we've been able to take away from that show, relationship wise, even you see it in our short films. Like there are little remnants of like the All American Family and everything we do. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah, sure. Karima Westbrook was in Panorama, who plays Grace James, and you know we may have some things coming up for Leaves. But um, yeah, it's we've kind of used that to just we've used that platform to kind of help us really shape our career and the people we work with. Yeah. yeah. Do you guys find it a little difficult at all ever to, this is just kind of like, you know, us to y'all, just difficult to separate, you know, friendship and work because you guys have that relationship Mm. together. Because it's weird because there's uh, there's three of us. There's Nick too. So all three of us went to school together, Mm. right? And we just started this as like fun and we're boys, but now it's our job. So we're boys and it's our job. Cyrus and Leonard, who, you know, shout out to them. We gave Corey his shout out. Leonard and Cyrus are his boys. That's... 
friends and job. Like obviously you guys have this relationship from Moore Street, now friends and job. Like do you guys find it, you know, difficult to separate sometimes or do you kind of let it bleed through a little bit? I think it bleeds through, yeah. you know, because I mean, I want to work with my friends. Yeah, of course, uh, of course. You know, yeah. I, I like, I think that there's a certain boundary that you have to have, like having professionalism and like how you guys approach certain mm -hmm. things, obviously, um, you know, but I, I think that when you're, having a close friend as a collaborator as, as a partner in a business it makes it fun because at least for Mike myself and like with these guys and like obviously like our sunflower team that's like their life as well as mine so it's easy to talk to them about this stuff and it's like easy to call Cyrus two times a day just to like talk <laughs> shit to him about like what this one idea could lead to and he'll sit on the phone with me for as long as we need to just like throw shit at the wall you know and like same thing with these guys like I I love that aspect of it honestly, yeah. but you know that, that's nah, just my what is he? He just answers the phone. He's like, I got Babylon in the back. <laughs> like, What's up, man? What's yeah. up? He <laughs> called. He called me. He called me after his first day on set with the infamous scene, and he was like, I think I can die happy, man. <laughs> and he that's, told me what happened. He's, Mar he's Margot Robbie's pool boy. Yeah, <laughs> effectively for yeah. the rest of it, like he could be her side, her side piece. Yeah, I mean he we, uh, he was pretty stoked. But like, <laughs> like he said, like we see movies together. Like we've gone down and, and party because uh, Corey's in a in a in a band that. You know, performs what once a month down yeah. in uh, Redondo Beach. Like really? we've been yeah. down there, like starting wash pits there. So like, <laughs> it's very, it's very much a friendship that we also get to work together. Like myself, I have to do the balance of like I'm a father and a husband. Mm. So like, he'll, he'll be like, "Yo, do you want to like, you know, go see a nine o'clock movie?" And I'm like, "I'm at a recital right now, bro." Yeah. <laughs> so it's 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 always funny realizing like, as much as I do want to hang out and be that guy like he has to remember that i am a father and a husband too so i have to kind of do that balance but yeah. i think we do it well i think too it's just like in this business it's good to just have honesty in your corner and it kind of goes back to the communication aspect with your friends yeah you know? like i don't want to lie to my friends i want to be on the same page and i want to do cool shit you know and i think like with these guys we're all ex-athletes but we didn't meet on the field or in court or whatever it may be and I think that's actually a good thing later in life because I think you kind of go through all that and Spencer and I played in the Bay League but like we didn't know each other through football yeah we don't know each other in football which I think has benefited us as friends and as you know you know producers but um yeah I think you know we're very transparent with everything we do but at the same time I do love that we can all pick up the phone and just like like throw ideas at each other because at the end of the day, like Scott's, it's our livelihood. We yeah, really kind of care, care about it. It is such a nice, like yeah. you're talking about creative freedom. It's such a nice freedom to be like, all right, I could go pitch one of these guys an idea and not have to worry about getting back to my boss or like getting yeah. back to the spreadsheets. Yeah. It's part of my job. Yeah, you know, yeah, like it's like, it is like, it's a part of the gig to like go around pitching stuff and like get the wheels turning. Yeah. So there is, there's that kind of beauty. We bring up Leonard though. You guys have like a somewhat similar like path. Like yeah. how have you been a mentor to him in that space of like kind of trying to usher him in? I guess I'm assuming like his next chapter will be in this. Yeah. Field. I mean, he, he knows he's a, uh, I'm a landing board for him. Yeah. Um, the fact like through our partnership with, with Sunflower, like if he's, if he calls, I'm answering. So it's, it's just that simple. And I know he's still being a, a beast on the field and whatnot, but you know, when you, what is he, year eight, nine right now? I think year nine is this upcoming season. What? Like, uh, yeah, like any, any, football. Yeah. any NFL player that has played beyond, in my opinion, five years, you always get that itch to, like, what else is out there? Because the NFL has become so normal. It's yeah. become you're like, let's go, to the, let's go to the office and do these meetings and then practice for two hours. It's like it's a normal thing. So naturally when something becomes normal for you, 
you tend to think about what else is out there. So, like I said, whenever he calls, I answers. Like the times he's been in LA, I, I know we, we met up a couple weeks ago. Um, but once he does make that decision to potentially retire, I'm here for him. So, yeah. yeah. Has the does the league like send you guys that come to them and say like, hey, I'm interested in X, Y, and Z in the creative field? Like, have have they? I, I imagine yes, right? And yeah, there's been there's been a couple moments where that's happened. Yeah. Um, some of them have been like great relationships that I've right. like, we've built off of. Others have been like, oh, I see you just want to be the guy, right, right, right. Bright lights, and again, like I said, like I'm I'm not down for that. But um, there is this, there is that energy of the league knowing that oh, NFL players are getting into this space and and becoming pretty successful at it. Let's see if there's some somewhat of an incubation process or yeah. some type of boot camp or something we can do. So still very early in it, but they their intentions are well when it comes to that. Because I feel like for a lot of athletes, like we, we on the network, our giant shows hosted by Carl Banks and Bob Papa, who yeah. do the, they're the broadcasters, yeah. uh, the radio broadcasters for the Giants. And Carl is, has a great relationship with like Anthony Anderson mm-hmm. and he loves music. And I just think that like a lot of times that path is there for a lot of guys that are in the league. And maybe it's specific to the NFL. I don't know, but I would imagine that, you know, the athletes that are performing at the highest level and getting paid the most amount in the NBA are also, especially a guy like LeBron James. Look, he moved out to LA. He made mm-hmm. that decision. There's reasons behind it, mm-hmm. right? Um, so I, that's cool that the league is trying to shepherd that like cultivation and going to a guy who's done it and yeah. done it successfully thus far. Um, but I imagine that, like, yeah, I'm sure there's always those conversations where yeah. it's like, you got to take it a little more seriously than this. Yeah. Like, if yeah. you really, really want it, like, here's what it takes. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's why whenever somebody reaches out to me, especially when it comes to screenwriting or producing, I'm like, yo, here are three or four books that you should read. Yep. These are some things you can talk about. Like, after you go through these, let's have a conversation to discuss, like, what you actually want to do. Because there's this idea from an athlete, like, you're if you're about to retire or the phone's not ringing and you're not getting picked up by a team, like, you've been in the spotlight your entire life. You were mm-hmm. probably the best player on your high school team. You're probably a really good player on the on on your college team, for and sure. now you're in the NFL. Like, all eyes have been on you for the better part of ten to fifteen years. So when you're walking away from that, you're looking at the the entertainment industry like, oh, I can probably get this same feeling over there. Mm-hmm. So they don't necessarily know why they want to get into this industry. It's just that feeling of, I want eyeballs on me. Yeah. So yeah. once you're able to kind of to weed through some of those guys that are only in it for the eyeballs, I actually want to learn and work and become a working professional in this industry that's what the fun it's, what it's fun hard happens. to admit but it, it, it really is an identity crisis it's like you know you get oh, out of this sure. and you're kind of like sure. yeah shit like i've been doing this my whole life and now i gotta figure out this all out again and i have all these people pulling me in different directions telling me i should do this i should go be a host i should you know and that happens to a lot of athletes you know that we're just friends with you know they'll get out of the league and they'll just be pulled in all these ways look at these like bullshit offers and stuff they don't care about and they'll do them you know because they're figuring it out but at the same time we always tell them when they talk to us that like yo this is a chance for you to kind of just like really be you like like if you want to create like let's create let's figure this out you know and and you know some do and some don't but um i i, I don't really know another way to explain it other than really yeah it is a kind of an identity crisis yeah. and it's something that they have to confront and some don't do it well and some do but hearing you talk about it, going back to like you know the word freedom, like fortunately, if people don't, people just in general don't view it like this. Like you, the older you get, the more locked up you feel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Like you can't make a change. You can't do something different. Like, you know, even like, like, let's say like this didn't like when we used to, didn't start to go well. Right. And like, I'd be like, Oh my God, I'm 28. Like, huh. what a disaster. Bro, like, come on, dude. Like, you, like, you started laughing at me. Like, yeah, it's like, yeah. it's like people get caught up in like, you know, the unknown being so scary or afraid of what we don't know. But it's also in the class half full look is a beautiful freedom into being like, I could do whatever I want. Mm -hmm. yeah. I could try anything I want. Want try anything once, twice. Like, okay, maybe I didn't like that, or maybe I like that. Maybe like parts of this, and you could kind of you know combine all that. Well, I'll admit, like, the word producer is a very vague term. You know, that's like, trust, so trust me, like we're producers from you know, we know it's a very, I, it's a vague know, my, term. Like my yeah. uncle at Easter is like, Dane, like, what do you do? Yeah. Like, what do you do? And I'm like, okay, well, what do I you don't know. know? And, and I think, you know, it, it's, we tell them though, you know, like whenever we work with an athlete, we always want them to be able to produce their content because we're like, dude, it's your thing. You oh, should right. be able to speak right. on its behalf. And they're like, damn, really? Cool. I'm like, like, who are you working with? Yeah. So, you know, it's just, it's always an interesting experience. Yeah. But yeah, very vague term. So. Yeah, going back so. to the leaves of glass, yeah, formerly of grass, but now, <laughs> now, uh, what was your inspo for this one, dude? Oh man, um, what films, what ideas, your feeling in life? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think that something that's like super important to me, and I know like it's reflective of our whole team, is that any project that I want to do or that we want to do, but speaking individually. Anytime that we're venturing into a new project, I kind of want that to be able to at least be confronting a problem that like I've been dealing with over a recent period of time. Okay. And, you know, I think that Panorama is reflective of that in my own personal um, journey in life. But then when with leaves, you know, my uh, my my grandfather passed away last year and, um, you know, he was very very old and sick and it was weird to see him like that you know and i didn't get to see him his last like year of being alive because he moved down to alabama with some of my um my uncles and during that time i've been like thinking a lot because we're like you know i'm 29 i'm about to be 30 and i'm like thinking what type of like man am i right now you know like what what are my principles like what are my morals because i think that you know ideally in the next like five years ideally end up having a family and a wife yeah, and like can i handle what yeah exactly and i'm like i'm like okay <laughs> if i'm gonna have like a kid one day in the next couple of years like five years is like not very far away i'm like i have to at least have some type of like compass of who i am as a man or like like the t uh, 10 commandments type of thing you know and be able to look a little kid in the eyes and be like i know what's best for you you know and that's like so much pressure for me and i thankfully i'm like a bit a ways away from that hopefully, and uh, for a while. And, you know, I'm just like... <laughs> nine, <laughs> nine, nine months later. <laughs> I hope to God that's yeah. not the case. Um, but, you know, I want to make sure that, like, I'm dealing with, like, my artistic journey in each film that I'm doing. And I think that that's very much reflective of, like, what Leaves is, is, like, a man confronting, like, what type of man he's going to be moving forward. And, but I don't really ever want it to be, like, some, like, weird autobiography bullshit that's, like, seems like it's up its own ass, how a lot of films are, I think, in my opinion. And I, I think that with us, like, wanting to have this, like, metaphor of, uh, of a curse happening in this film that's like more or less like what it's about is this guy thinks that he gets cursed by this witch because of something that he ran into with her an accident happened and see some weird synchronicities start to occur like in sequence and he starts to convince himself that this 
witch has placed a curse on him. So he's sitting there trying to like handle this and protect his family. But like you're taking the problem, the, the, the problem or question of masculinity or what type of man you're going to be. And then you're driving that through like a metaphor of a curse basically. So then as you get that equal and this, I'm not good at math, but like if you have this plus this equals this, I think the equal it's pretty good math. That adds up. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that when you, when you have that like equal, it'll be the film of like, you're exploring this problem, like through this like weird metaphor and hopefully you get like some more abstract explorations and questions, you know? Mm. So that's a big inspiration for me. Um, but everyone is in it for different reasons, obviously. And most importantly, just wanted to tell a good story and make a good film. It's kind of a unique call sign you got going, like telling your life through different metaphors and kind of, you know, going through your questions that you have at the current time. Yeah. And it's, I'm curious because when do you guys start production? Or do you not know yet? Uh, we're well, we're still like kind of like up in the air. We're waiting on an actor's availability, mm -hmm. thankfully, one that we feel pretty good about, and uh, it's looking like it's going to be sometime in June. So yeah. it's coming up pretty soon. Soon, yeah, yeah, yeah. soon. We've soon. been moving fast. Yeah, we've been we've been <laughs> we've been working on it like the whole year. Um, but we have uh, an actor who we can't name yet, but um, he said that, that gets me. I mean, he said, yeah, that he, bumps said, me up. he said that bumps he's me up. available in June for two days. And I'm like, all right, let's rock and roll, man. Yeah. We're just figuring out the dates now. So we'll be able to share it soon enough, I think. That's awesome. Now, yeah, I, I'm curious after hearing you talk about it now and like, you know, what the main motifs of like the piece are and whatnot. I'm curious to see when it's made, when you guys do it, when you release it, probably like a year and a half, a year, year and a half, two years, like however long it goes. I'm curious to see what answers you have at the end of it, at the end of it, from, yeah. the, from the questions you have now that yeah. have spurned this. I'm curious, you know, when we kind of meet back up when the film is released yeah. down the line in the, in the two years, it could be law or whatever, yeah. you know, like what answer the answers you have. I think, I think that's like the purpose of, you know, not, I don't know. I, it, it, it wears me out sometimes to say art because it feels pretentious sometimes, but I think that that is like the purpose of art is to explore those questions, you know, and hopefully you find some answers in the process. So, I think the cool thing that y'all have and you could look at it as an opportunity is with the short that then will become a feature. Like you will, there will be challenges in the short yeah. and there will be probably roadblocks and creatively and non-creatively, um, I'll creatively as well. I'm really going creatively <laughs> yeah, well. yeah. Uh, but then you can take Money that guys. and, and <laughs> change that or adjust it or amplify it when you take it to the feature, which is like, that's the cool opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's hard to. It's almost like kind of like a like those trap games we used to have. You know, you'd go and play like a weaker team, and mm -hmm. the next week you have like your rival or something like that, and you're like the coach is like, "Don't overlook this team. Right. Like they're good." And then we've lost plenty of games. Like when I played at SC, we lost plenty of games that were like that. And uh, I think that that's like a similar situation with this is where so many people are talking about like the feature film and stuff like that. And yeah. and there's there was a lot of momentum into us going and doing the feature film route after Panorama. Um, but I, like me and Corey talked to, you know, both Dane and Spencer and we're just like, we want to get a little bit more reps in the gym before we take on that momentous Herculean yeah. moment, That's you know, sa it's uh, safe in a good way, smart, yeah, yeah. playing like smart, honestly. And you're right. I mean, Texas had a bevy of those, I mean, they called it BYU. Back in the day, yeah. Look, look ahead, games. One game yeah. at a time. Yeah, right. exactly. Yeah. yeah. So it's like just go and make like the best film that you can do. You know, yeah. There's like kind of like a couple of questions back that you guys had 
uh, with with Panorama going like that far, but almost like you could argue didn't get across the finish line mm -hmm. that we initially wanted to when that email came in. Mm -hmm. Now, like first and foremost, whenever we make a project, it's all about like the material and the art and the work. That's always first and foremost. But then the fun thing about being in the entertainment industry is, as a filmmaker, there's a cool entrepreneurial aspect to it where like you have to be a salesman you have to be this like businessman to make the film that you want to make and with that i'm like hey like if we're gonna go make a like a, a high level short film with like, a lot more resources this go around let's go like get the whole thing you know? yeah and not that we're like that's why we're making it by any means but like there's like there's artists scott filmmaker scott but then there's also like the businessmen in it too because it it's be. it show business yeah. you know yeah. And it's like, hey, like as a team collectively, let's see like if we can really go like cross that finish line, you know, whatever that means. Like uh, that's kind of like a cool little creative hunch for me in this with these yeah. guys, you know. And that, I mean, that's where like I like to have fun in because in my opinion, like I'll code email anybody. I will code call somebody. I'll code text. Like I feel like if I'm if I'm in this industry and want to be in this industry in, in a capacity that I see for myself, like you kind of have to have that moxie about yourself, like as an entrepreneur. And there, there've been literally moments where I'm like, I think I have a connection to this person. I'm going to see what happens, and then something ends up yeah. going our way. So, it's it's understanding that we want to be in this industry in, this, in a specific way, but that will involve having these kind of like what the fuck meetings every now and then. But knowing once we're in the Zoom <laughs> or or in person, it's like, no, you're seeing you're seeing people that are competent that are confident in what we know we can deliver. You know, when we're in meetings, sometimes Spencer will see my knee just to start going like this, and I'd be like, "Dude, it'll be like just like, we should, know, like, we'll be all right. We, we'll did, we deserve to be here." Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, one thousand percent. I was gonna, I was gonna add that. Yeah. It's weird, like cold calling. Like you're like, especially this day and age, when you're like, there's everyone is so weirdly accessible. Mm -hmm. Like back yeah. in the day, like you had to everything had to be in a Manila folder. You can like stamp, guess Gmail addresses. Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> like three stamps, and now like everyone's really accessible, and you're a couple degrees away from pretty much once you, you're in this and you're really cooking and this is what you do, you're a couple of degrees away from everybody almost yeah. in some capacity. So I, I get, I, I think we resonate with the feeling of like, oh, should we do this? But now like, you know, like back in the day, but now like you just send the text, send the email because worst things that happen, you're in the exact same spot exactly. as you're yeah. in now. Yeah. I, I always say, again, as athletes, I've been cursed out by multiple coaches on the field. Sure. Like I've been like at arms against other teammates and such. So, if I'm getting a no in an email in like a 69 degree, like temperatured room, and I'm drinking like a or something like, like <laughs> this is not a bad day in my opinion. Like I gotta know. Yeah, I can go and find another way. Like I've been like my job has literally been in jeopardy multiple weeks after bad plays. Like this isn't the end of the world to me. Yeah, you kind of have to go numb to know pretty fast. So that's yeah. such a funny image, man. <laughs> Six, yeah, I, don't, I never. It's like I'm there. drinking a flavored sparkling yeah. water. I'm good. I just went to Whole Foods. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I just had like some delicious Whole Foods. Like how bad can life really, really, really be? I, a couple more fun ones for you guys. I, I don't think we've ever ever asked you this, Scotty. What was the film that got you and that made you want to do this? 
One or two. I know it's tough. Um, well, or TV, I, show, or any, or TV show, or any dumb TV. I mean, show. I, I grew up a lot. Like in, I think that. Uh, I mean, we did for sure. We grew up. These guys are a little older than us, but like we grew up in the '90s with the Disney cartoons, <laughs> the, the films. <laughs> yeah, but they we, look young. But we, they do. They look. I great. cannot tell. They look honestly, great. I. They look I mean, great. He's the oldest one. Here. Dane threw out '09, threw out Bush Lighthouse. <laughs> I've been trying to guess how old he is yeah. for the last hour. Honestly. Yeah. Yeah. No. I like this compliment. So. Yeah, I got you. Right? Yeah. He can be my age. He yeah. can be like fifty at this point. We we grew up in like I would argue because I'm biased. The best like we grew up in the '90s. You know those Disney films like like Lion King. You know all those things. Those were great influences. But I do think that like the film that sparked something in me and like saw the magic of cinema. I'd say is Hook with Robin Williams. That's like my great pick. Second that is Robin my, Williams movie that's been referenced. Yeah, wow. no, a lot of people like hate on it, but I'm like, no, dude, that's like, that's like dude, Julia Roberts. Dude, it's such Rassic. a good movie, you know. Julia Roberts. It's the know. it's the greatest logline of all time. What if Peter Pan grew up? Like, Man. you know, that's so cool. But that, that's my the commitment to set design. Yes, dude. They don't they don't yes. set design like they. Yes. It's all CGI now and and screens and stuff. But you look at these '90s films that we grew up in. I'm 35. I'm just let y'all know that now. <laughs> but like. I, I hold the same sentiment. Like Hook is up there for me because like it was a commitment to set design that mm. you do, just do not see yeah. anymore. Yeah, and that's why it's up there for me. Uh, I like the great pick, yeah. Rufio, yeah. dude. Cliche. Dude, I was literally thinking the other day. I was like, I was like, what if I like if, in my hypothetical son eventually, hopefully, I was like, what if I was like n- middle name was Rufio? Like just like as yeah. I'm like walking around, and I was like, no, nah. I just kept walking. <laughs> yeah. Cool dogs named Dog Rufio. Name. Yeah, yep. yeah. Yep. But uh, Dustin Hoffman, Captain Hook. Yes. Yeah, dude. He was, huh? He's the Captain Hook. Is there a sequel? No. Because no. that big gator with the clock no. just fell on him, yeah. and then you never know what happens. Oh, yeah. Okay. Do you, uh, real quick, yeah. real quick. I know we're going long on Hook. Do you know that moment when Hook uh, puts that guy in the in the box oh, and yes. drops the scorpion? Yes, yeah. horrifying. Do yeah. you know who that is? Oh yes, I do. Do you want to tell? Do you guys know who that is? No, no. But I know exactly what scene you're talking about. It's so it. scary. It's the greatest no. cameo in history. I'm just looking up that guy, the IMDb just to, just because that guy that um, that Hook is like, you did it, right? You did it. You did it. That's Glenn Close. Yeah. In makeup. Wait, she what? That's Glenn Close. Yeah. She's when, crazy, when they're, like, they're like, me? Yeah. How did that happen? Yeah. Another day. But she she's probably just came <laughs> and played for a day, yeah. but like, I just found it out last week. It was like, blew my mind. Yeah. That's crazy. She's a beast. Dude. But dude, you, most cliche answer ever is because I was like, I'm 36, so I was six or seven when Jurassic Park came out, and I know that's cliche, but you, you can't see that movie and then be like, oh, that was nothing. Like, I, I walked into that and like, just, uh, yeah, that was incredible. I remember that very vividly as a young kid going to that movie specifically and being like, "Holy shit, yeah. it's a brontosaurus." Dinosaurs are real. I think. Yeah, it was like the, it was like when she gets out of the car and looks <laughs> yeah. at it. You're like, dude. So, so yeah, yeah, I would say that just to be safe. I think for me, it wasn't necessarily one specific film, but the genre I, I still love to this day are like those neighborhood films. They didn't feel like the world was dying yeah. or, or an alien invasion Missed was us. happening. Like Paper Brigade and like. Um, um, like the wood, and just just films about like Leave It to Beaver, like mm-hmm. Leave It to Beaver, the 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 remake of it, like these films that were just about a neighborhood and these little teens that are just like I'm trying to get my first kiss, or there's a girl yeah. likes me and I just don't know how I'm gonna do it, or or like you know the Sandlot, like films like that that were just neighborhood kids just doing shenanigans. We together. really miss dumb comedies. Yeah, we yeah. really miss them. Yeah, so. yeah. 
Yeah, I saw like a bring him, bring him back, dude. Yeah, I mean, bring him back. back. I, saw, I saw McLovin at a game. He's married now. Like, oh, dude, I saw that. He like proposed like, his chick or something. Yeah. That was fifteen. Yeah. Yeah. That was fifteen years ago, and he's still got super bad. Is fifteen years ago. Is it oh three? Oh seven. Oh seven. I had to check. I'm really bad at math. Yeah, that's why we're creatives. Yeah. Okay. Gentlemen, very, very. We always ask everybody this, and Scotty, we've had yours. So real quick, Dane Spencer. Your favorite sports memory ever. This is our collectible. We collect these Ooh, from people. Yeah, yeah we've tons. Yes. Yeah. Tons. It could be, but it could be any you watch and playing. It could be memory. your like, a, a, literally, it could be something from All American, anything. Your favorite sports memory ever. Yeah. Man. Favorite sport. I would, I would say. This the, is going to be like the, dope, like a Super Bowl. I should, <laughs> I, I wasn't going to say that. It now, I wasn't going to I wasn't going to say that. Yeah. But like, I remember watching what was it, Michael Johnson run that two hundred in those gold cleats, mm. uh, those gold spikes. What was cool. that like ninety six? I want to say. Yeah. And just thinking like this is an absolute moment. I remember thinking like the world is watching this right now, and this guy was that in Atlanta. Uh, yeah, I think it was Atlanta. Yeah, yeah ninety six. Ninety six Atlanta. 96, yeah. And like the stage was set, everybody was talking about him. They were talking about those gold shoes, and he he did it. You know, it was like I remember watching him turn that corner and being like, this fucking guy, like he lived up to the moment. That was like yeah. the, one of the first one, the one of the first great sports moments I remember. Probably, I, it's weird. I grew up in LA, but I grew up an Angel fan just because they were kind of close in proximity. And like I was the Angels every year in Little League. So my dad one day was just like, dude, I'll drive you to a game. Let's just go. And so I became a big Angel fan. So I would probably say game seven of the 2002 World Series when we beat the Giants. I was eating Carl's Jr. and drinking a Bud Light. I was underage. Whoa. But uh, yeah, I was six. He was alone. But I remember that moment knowing that, like, that I'm like sitting in this and I'm watching them win the World Series and none of my friends were there because they were Dodger fans. Mm -hmm. And I just, I just remember that being something I think about probably yearly and hoping that That's we're good again. But uh, yeah. who was it? Was that like, was that like Tim, was, Tim uh, Salmon? It was uh, oh, Tim Salmon. We had Troy Percival uh, as our closer, was Darren Erstad, yeah, yeah, who yeah. was also a punter at Nebraska. Like, what? yeah, it was just a scrappy team, man. And we were a wild card. And we beat the Mariners, and we we went to the World Series and beat the Giants. Beat the Dodgers. You beat the Mariners too. Like yeah, the Mariners mm -hmm. to them too. yeah. Those Mariner teams were cool too, with like Griffey and Buner and all, and like and the nineties. I love those too. I will, I will say yeah. too, and again, sorry for being long winded, but like, so I was in high school from like oh two to oh six, I believe. Like that era of USC football, like yeah. being in Los Angeles, getting like those three recruit tickets every Saturday to go watch Reggie Bush and Lindell White and these guys like just fucking dominate every single week. Like yeah. being in the stands for some of those iconic Bush moments. Like there was a moment where I was in the locker room cause you, you get those like recruit tickets yeah, yeah, yeah. and I'm seeing Reggie Bush and Lindell. I'm like, these guys are fucking gods and fast forward a couple of years and I'm like spotting Reggie Bush in off season training. Like what is life right now? <laughs> like what is happening? But I think that moment in time from like oh like oh two to oh four when Bush was there was like that, that like was crazy. Outside of like the Kobe the Kobe Shaq era in L.A. and obviously Showtime, which like we weren't even old enough to enjoy, like the the USC Bush era was like insane. That was our NFL team. Yeah. It, it was fucking insane. It was unreal. That's yeah. the very I like that line. Well, I mean, yeah, and I grew up in Palos Verdes where, uh, and I played with Pete Carroll's son, and so it was always present sc was just always present mm -hmm. and it was just it was bigger you know it's like how you think of the u in the early 90s yeah. like it was its own character yeah. and i think that was what was so cool about it
And yeah. my parents from UCLA, so even just give those props, I was like, yeah. I scored three touchdowns in the pass only tournament that Pete Carroll was at. I was just like, <laughs> you like, what you think, man? So he went to Oregon. So he didn't offer him, and he, he went to did Oregon. Did not offer me, but I was like, you <laughs> saw it. There's, there's three. I put three. I was like, come on, let's do I know. this. I tell people you were a wide receiver, and they were like, oh, <laughs> my God. Wilds. That's funny. Dating right. work. Spencer Pacinger and Scotty Felix for back for the third time. More Street Dude. Productions, Sunflower Productions joining forces once again for Lees of Glass. We're stoked to see it when it comes out. Thank you for having us, man. Us. It's Thank always you. a pleasure. Thank you. Pleasure. As always, Thank it's you. free throws. Because they're free. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.